0: Well, good morning. good morning. How is everybody today? Great, good. good. We're glad you're here. If you're a kid, we're going to let you head on back uh, for your own time of teaching and small groups and some fun. And uh, I'm going to hold your parents hostage here for the next few minutes. We're glad you're here. And I uh, just wanted to highlight that we do have an egg hunt coming up. Uh, and I want to encourage you to volunteer to help us with it every year we've done the egg hunt Uh, the goal has been kind of twofold one is, is that we certainly want to have something for our kids here we want them to have fun and and be able for them to go get some candy and it's fun for us too it helps keep us young it helps remind us what it was like when we weren't old and tired and all those good things right but the second purpose is really more important than the first and that is this we want to be a ministry to the community And we want the community to know that we're not just trying to get them to come fill our seats. We're not just trying to get them to come help us with our ministries. We are here to give to the community. And so this is an opportunity, and we do many things like this throughout the year, but this is an opportunity for us just to do something for them if they ever come to a service or not. It's something that we can just say, hey, we love you. We're here. We want to be a part of your lives. And so the way that we pull that off is is honestly with just a lot of volunteers And what ends up happening each year is uh, we end up having a lot of people that help, but we don't necessarily know that you're coming. Now, this is kind of the way Journey is. We know everybody's busy and has a lot of stuff going on. And so when it gets right down to the wire, you're there and you all are great and you really help us. But I tell you, it stresses out our leaders like crazy. So if you would sign up, just commit that you'll be there. We'll know that you're going to you're going to be there anyways. And uh, but that way we just know who's going to be there, and we can spread out the load. And what ends up happening when you spread out the load, whether you're in your jobs or you're here on a, for a service, or whether we're doing something like the egg hunt, is everyone just enjoys it more because it doesn't. You don't have just a few people handling you know most of the responsibility. So I really would love for you to be a part of that and recognize that as we're doing it. There's a lot of other things we could do with our time and our resources, but this is a great opportunity for us to let all of these families around us know, hey, we're just here, we love you, and we want to offer something for you. So it'd be great if you could sign up for that, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're still working out some of those details. We'll share those probably the rest of those next week, but those sign-up sheets are back there. Last week, Stacy did a great job talking about Scripture. And she had the unenviable task of trying to take you through a lot of information on the basis for why we believe that the Bible is true. She did a great job with that. And if you are into that kind of study, you were loving it. You were just, that's your kind of thing. But for some of us, it's not, you know, all those details are really not uh, the thing that really lights my fire. I really like how do I apply some of that stuff. So we're going to be doing some of both of those things. But the bottom line, when we begin to look at this, I, I, I want you to expand your understanding of what it looks like to know God and who God is. You remember when we talked about God is, the series God is, we, we discussed the ontological argument, right? That being in which nothing greater can be imagined. That even the very highest level that we can attain to God, or we can ascribe to God, we really cannot even possibly imagine how great He really is. And if that is true, then what He has to say to us is vitally important. So what I want to talk to you about today is how God reveals Himself. Because I want you to just consider for a moment, because we don't always consider alternatives when we're used to something being a certain way. But I want you to consider if God had chosen not to reveal Himself us. Everything's the same. All the rules are the same. All the reality is the same. God is the same. Everything's the same. All that history is the same. But God chose to keep himself a secret from his creation. So be a very different world in which we live. Be a very different place that you would find yourself. And when we talk about having hope, there would be literally very little hope in the world. Because we would just look around and see how destructive that the creation can become. Fortunately, at the very bottom line of who God is, we know God chose to reveal himself to us. Now take take a moment and think about maybe the most important relationship in your life. And I know some of you are going to go, well, that's Jesus. And that's fantastic. But I'm talking about, you know, somebody that you can call up on your cell phone, all right? Who is the person that has the most significant relationship in your life? Most important person. It could be your spouse. It could be your kids. It could be a mom or a dad. It could be a friend. It could be any number of people. What would your life be like if that person had never come into your life? Imagine how different your world would be without that person see god chose to reveal himself to us he didn't have to reveal himself to us but yet because of his character because of his love because of his righteousness he chose to let us know who he was and what's so incredible is not only has he shown us who he was he's actually given us a glimpse into how he works so, one of the things that we like to, to talk about in here is, you know, churches like to say that, you know, science is of the devil. We just trust in faith. And yet, what we know, if you're really a mature believer in God, is what you know is that God has given us a great gift to peel back the curtain and show us a little bit about how He has created. So it's a wonderful thing that God has said, I'm going to bring you into this, I'm going to let you see this. And as we go through this morning, and I, I tell you what, I'm gonna—I may finish a little early today. If you'll listen really quickly, <laughs> is that a deal? Some of you have been here for a while. Don't believe me for a second. Last week, uh, Stacy showed a table, and I want you to imagine that this is true. I want you just to move beyond this. Ideal, well, God may exist, may not exist, good God, not a good God, God maybe, I don't know. I want you to really let this sink in. This is one of, for me, this is one of the most telling things about our society and how unwilling we are to truly accept truth. All right? We have very few people in the world that doubt that Julius Caesar existed, very few people in the world doubt the existence. Of Julius Caesar. And yet we have totally ten pieces of evidence that he ever existed. You won't find a history book without him in it. And we have ten pieces of evidence that says he's true. So you and I believe he's true. And the world believes he existed. With ten pieces of evidence. As we go down and we look at Plato with seven. With Pliny at seven. Aristotle. How many of us went through those wonderful philosophy classes that we had great times over coffee with our friends trying to prove each other we didn't know what in the world we were talking about and the world really didn't exist. We were just in some kind of crazy microcosm hamster ball. We love the the philosophers. No one doubts that Aristotle existed. 49 pieces of evidence. Sophocles, 193. Homer, 643. And the New Testament alone... 5,700 pieces of evidence, which begs the question, why does the world reject the Bible when it overwhelmingly is more trustworthy than any of the other historical figures in which they know to be true? Let that sink in. 5,700 pieces, 24,000 fragments, all pointing to consistency. Now, here's the way that you try to determine from these old manuscripts, and I'm not going to try to re-preach what Stacy did. She did a great job last week. But what you do is you look to make sure, do they agree? If five different people say five different things about the same person, then you can't trust any of them. You don't know which one's true. But when they all point to the same place, you know, hey, there's something here. This must be true. If the Bible is true, then God has truly revealed himself to us. And if he's truly revealed himself to us, that ought to change the way we interact within the world. And yet the world at large chooses not to. Why is that? I was talking with a few folks last week. And whenever I grew up, I grew up in a very different time. And many of you grew up in a very different time. And I know my grandfather was a, was a war hero. He drove one of the trucks that would move troops onto the beach when they would attack a front. If you saw Saving Private Ryan, the opening scene, you know those trucks that would leave the ships and bring those men onto the beach. He was there driving one of those trucks. If you saw all those people that were being killed before they even could get out of their truck, that's what my grandfather did. He went mission after mission, time after time. He was a true hero. Now, the amazing thing about my grandfather was that for many, many, many years, decades, he would never choose to follow Jesus. He wouldn't ever... It wasn't that he wouldn't follow. He would not accept his forgiveness. Because if you've ever been in the military, you are often called upon to do things that you would never choose to do on your own, but you must do for the common good and for your brothers that you're in combat with. So my grandfather believed... That he had done so many horrendous things in war, God would never forgive him for what he had done. And so it was literally decades of his life feeling that God could not possibly love him. Yet my grandfather and those before him are a generation that we call the greatest generation. They formed much of the reality of what we have now, at least it was better than what we have now. And one of the telltale signs about the greatest generation was a willingness to invest and care for others, a willingness to use their minds to pursue truth, and a willingness to get their hands dirty for something that was worthwhile. Yet we call them the greatest generation. We should be calling them the great generation. The greatest is yet to come, right? Yet we talk about that and that reality and that approach to the world in past tense. They were the greatest, of which none will ever approach them again. See, the world is willing to accept all kinds of soundbites and choose to address their lives in the way that they think will be approving in the eyes of those around them, no matter what's going on in the history of the world and creation. You know, it's an amazing thing that the enemy is at work and yet he has convinced so many people that he does not live. And so I ask you the question, why is it that if we have oh, almost 6,000 pieces of evidence that says Jesus is real, the creation is real, God is real, you're in my sin, it's real and the ability for us to be saved from that sin is real, heaven is real, if. real. If we have that much evidence saying all that is true, and yet we say, God, I just don't know. I just don't know if I can believe that. And yet we hang our hat on Julius Caesar with only 10 pieces of evidence. It points to the fact that there is some kind of a spiritual subversion in the world today, doesn't it? That truth would be perverted, that it should not be believed. And yet those things with little evidence are held in high regard and esteem see, we live, you and I live, not in just a physical brick-and-mortar existence. You and I live in a spiritual, supernatural existence, and God chose to reveal Himself to us. Not only did God choose to reveal Himself, God has chosen to initiate a relationship with me and with you because He is revealing Himself to us. See, many religions believe they have gods and they have these deities that are revealing themselves. However, there's no interest in a relationship with them. So yes, this God exists and we pay homage and we sacrifice and we worship, but we have no no relationship, no connection. God does not care. We just try to appease. People have accepted those types of ideas. I want you to really ask yourself if this is true. If the Bible is more than 50 times more valid than Julius Caesar, what effect should it have on our lives? Now, as we go through, and if you're a, if you're a kind of a book nerd, and uh, especially if, if you're into theology, and if you're, not, if you're a, a follower of Jesus and you're not into theology, I'm telling you, you've got to get into it. Theology literally means a word about God. It is the revelation of God to his creation theology is when you and i decide that we're going to go deeper in scripture we're going to go deeper in our understanding we're going to expand our minds and we're going to truly pursue the one that all this is about that is where theology comes into play now if you're one of those people that jump into that kind of a discussion you're going to find that there are two primary ideas when it comes to how god reveals himself to us the first one is general revelation and the second one is what we call special revelation general revelation And I can't talk. It's like a tongue twister. General revelation literally means God is revealing himself in ways that even if you had nobody to tell you about him and you had no Bible to read about him, God is still revealing who he is to you in your life. And one of the primary ways he does that is through the very creation in which you and I live. God reveals himself through his creation. Now, when I was in college, I went on a mission trip for the summer to a Navajo Indian reservation in Ganado, Arizona. It was wonderful. I had a great time. And for somebody who grew up at the foot of the Smoky Mountains to go out to Arizona and see Monument Valley and see the Grand Canyon and to see all the incredible things that they had out there, it was like, whoa. I mean, I was in a whole new world. I have left the planet Earth. I mean, I'm on a different planet here. And you would see these incredible monuments, not handmade, but made by God, in which they would stand up along the landscape with very little to be able to explain how they were there. People traveled from all over the world to visit these monuments. And yet, if you were to ask anybody who lived there, what do you think about living here in, in the midst of all this? You will find out from every single one of them, it's really dirty here. <laughs> And it was, I mean, you would come in at the end of the day and no matter what you were wearing from head to toe, you were, you were dirty. I mean, it was just, it would get all over you. But I remember standing up and we had an opportunity to preach in the small church that was there. And I remember standing up saying, listen, God is revealing himself to you based on the beauty in which that you exist. And yet because they saw it every day of their lives, they dismissed it as something that was just a nuisance. that's how you and I live life. That's the, the way our minds work. And it's not just you and I like we're some kind of defective people. It's the way people work. We take things for granted. We often ignore the things that are most important. God is saying, I want you to know that I am real and I exist and I will show you my glory through all of creation. Romans 1, 18 through 20 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. You and I live in a world that's constantly suppressing the truth. Many of you in this room know what it's like to have lived in a world where the truth has been suppressed only to find truth one day and how liberating and freeing that is. Truth is freeing. If you don't think truth is freeing, think about that relationship and you thought you were close only to find out that they talk about you behind your back every time you're not with them. That truth, though painful, is freeing. How about that person you thought they didn't care anything about you but you find out that they are always speaking highly of you when you're not around. You want to know that kind of stuff. Truth is freeing. Truth is always freeing. It's sometimes painful, but truth is always freeing because you know that you can hang your hat on it. You know that this is true. Verse 19 says, what can be known about God is plain to them. You know, this is where the argument that God couldn't possibly allow a person to go to hell who hasn't had the opportunity to be given a Bible or to hear a sermon This is where that begins to fall apart when God says, but I have let you know I exist through the creation. So that no one can say, well, I didn't know. I didn't know. Maybe we chose not to see, but we did have an opportunity to know. Every single person on the planet. Now, you may not be able to articulate the gospel in the way that someone who's grown up in church their whole life has, but you can know the very basics of a reality that God exists. I must know him. And I truly believe that God has different standards based on what you've been exposed to. God takes care of those who have not had the same opportunities that others have had. What can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. We went last night uh, and I saw some of you there too. We went last night to a mox game. It was our last home game and they won. So we're excited for them. Uh, And I found myself sitting there, and I I don't know why. It wasn't like I was just dying to be outside, but I found myself sitting there in general mission seats with my nose bleeding because that's where you sit when you have general mission seats, your nose bleeds. And the sun was still coming in through one of the gates, and it was hitting the polished concrete floor, and it literally, someone, I mean, God himself could have walked out through that. I mean, it was amazing. It was just, whoom, this light coming through this gate, and I could not stop looking at it. Now, I've already told you before, I love the outdoors. I love being in the outdoors, and I know that not everybody loves the outdoors. And just because you don't love the outdoors doesn't mean you don't love Jesus, but I do love the outdoors, and I'm drawn to anything that reminds me of being outside. You see, you see God in so many ways in the way he creates. You can't help but see a sunset and go, this didn't happen by accident. I mean, you can't help but see a new child being born and take their first breath and cry their first cry and not believe. There is some design in, at, play, at hand here. You can't help but watch your children grow and develop and mature and their thinking, in the way that they interact with the world and not say, This didn't just happen because a few cells got together. There was a designer here. You know, if we look at all the trees and we go through, as we drive down 27 or 75 or wherever you are, you look at all the species of trees and all the diversity in what a tree can be. When we look at the fish, how many different kinds of fish there are. We look at mammals, how many different kinds of mammals there are. When we look at the way they adapt to the environment and all of the incredible ways they have formed to change color as a defense mechanism against a background, to be able to hide or to be able to mimic an animal that's completely different from them. It is amazing what God has done and the intricacy in which he has created. And he shows us this is not by accident. He has shown us that he's real. God reveals himself because he wants you to know him. God loves you. My grandfather struggled with seeing through to to that reality. He struggled for many years of his life until eventually he came to the place of recognizing he can be forgiven. Before he died, we're thankful he did ask Christ to be his Savior. See, the truth is important in this world today. If you're like me and you're watching all of the debates, you ask yourself, where is the truth, right? Who's telling the truth? You can watch the fact checkers, but you don't even trust the fact checkers, right? Because they're paid by somebody. We really want to know the truth. And yet the truth seems so hidden in the world in which we live. What if God chose not to reveal himself to us? What if he chose not to show you who he was or what it looked like to have a relationship with him? Not only does God reveal himself through nature, we would call that general revelation. Just in general, you are able to know that God exists and you can see some of his attributes and power. But what we have, which is even more wonderful than that, is what we, or we haven't, I'm not one of those we, I'm not smart enough, but those ahead of me have termed special revelation now general revelation in a relationship might look something like this i know that someone exists out there for me i feel it i know that i want to get married one day and i know that person exists somewhere but i don't know who they are yet special revelation would be i know what their name is and where they live which could be a little scary for them Special revelation for us as followers of Jesus means God has written down through the hands of men who he is and what it looks like to interact with him. It's the Bible. The special revelation that we have is something that he has chosen to reveal himself through his word. And by revealing himself through his word, you and I don't have to wait for someone like me, a preacher, to come along and tell you the way it's supposed to be. I got to tell you, I got a phone call this week from a guy in Florida, and he sent me an email and, and left me a voicemail all in this, within about three minutes, and he wanted me to call him to tell him how he's supposed to know who Jesus is. And I thought, I don't, how did he get my number and from Florida? It's not like I'm like on you know, cable news channels or something. How does he know I exist? And then I saw his email, and I read his email, and his email was pretty interesting. I've never quite seen anything like this. I get random strange emails, and I often get critical emails saying, how we're all going to hell here at Journey. I mean, I get those. I hope you don't. (laughs) This is one of those emails. He didn't want me to tell him who, who Jesus was. He wanted me to get an earful from him. And it was incredible. I've never quite gotten an email like this. He said, it is only Satan's followers who believe in the Bible. Any preacher who preaches from the Bible is a disciple of Satan. Well, that would really make me excited to give him a call. I was really excited then because he's loony, right? Actually, I didn't call him. I don't have time for one of those kinds of conversations. <laughs> but I haven't never heard that before. That's a new one for me. That if you preach from the Bible, you're a disciple of Satan. You know, it's amazing how much we will embrace a lie to avoid the truth. Now, I may still give him a call because I really do have one burning question, and that is, why in the world do you believe Jesus exists if you think the Bible is a tool of Satan? Where do you get this knowledge that Jesus is, is real? Because somehow he believes you can be a follower of Jesus, but you have to completely reject the Bible. makes no sense to me. Special revelation is the reality that God has given us his word in a way that you and I can assimilate it. And that is why over 5,000 pieces of information corroborating that is so vitally important. Because if it were not God who was disseminating his word to us, there should be a whole lot more errors than that. And even if there were, we should still accept it as truth based on the way we accept other historical characters. From their evidence. But God made that. True to us. Again let me ask you the question. If this is true. What effect should it have on us? What effect should the Bible have on us. If that is true. Now when you start reading the Bible. It really gets exciting. When you start reading about what happened before creation. Did you realize the Bible talks about. What happened really before creation. It talks about God creating but it also talks about a lot of events before that one of the most interesting things I find is the battle in heaven there was a war in heaven that war in heaven is what set the stage for there to be a serpent in the garden that war in heaven was between a group of angels who wanted to be God and God himself and those angels who were loyal to him and believed he was the only one that could be God Now, if the Bible is true and we have all this evidence that says it's true, then that war in heaven was true. And all those angels that followed Lucifer were cast down. That's true. If the Bible is true, then God really did create in seven days. Now, I'll tell you whether he did that in seven 24 hour periods or or seven periods of a different time. A lot of people argue about that. I don't care. I think the fact that he did it was pretty, pretty awesome. And I'm really excited he gave us a a seventh day to rest, right? I don't take it very often, but I'm glad it's there. If you were there for a couple of series ago, you know that it's crucial that we take a Sabbath in our lives. God showed us that because he cared for us and he wanted us to know this is how I created you. You need this to stay healthy. Interestingly enough, if we go through the Old Testament, and even though as we read in the New Testament, now we can eat whatever we want, which is lots and lots of bacon. You could not eat bacon in the Old Testament. You could not eat the meat of a, of a hoofed animal. You couldn't do it. And so you could sacrifice, but you couldn't eat. Interestingly enough, physicians tell us today, if you want the healthiest diet possible, they won't say it came from the Old Testament. Just follow what the Old Testament taught us to eat, and that is the healthiest diet you can possibly eat. While he has given us freedom to open us up to cheeseburgers, There's not many of us that would agree cheeseburgers are really good for us. Yeah, if you go back and you read the story of Daniel and he said, I will not eat the foods that you eat. I will only eat the foods that my God has said I can eat. You'll find that he and his companions grew stronger, more capable than anyone else. Their diet was so healthy. It's incredible how many ways that scientists, they won't won't ascribe it to Scripture, but they just back it up. See, God has given us his word because he wants you to know who he is. He knows that you're going to live a life that you're going to have to navigate all of these problems, all of these trials, all of these pains. Right now, many of you in the room have lots of questions that you need answered. They're just squirreling around in your head. And you're thinking, I really need to know what to do here. I need to know how to take this or I need to know how to plan for the future. You have all of these questions God knew that you were going to have to navigate all these troubles in life. God knew you were going to have arguments with the people you care about. God knew that you were going to have setbacks. God knew you were going to fail and succeed at other times. And he wanted you to know how do you have the best chance to live as you were created and designed for. As we read through scripture, we believe that it's true. We have all the evidence that says that it's true. We find that God reveals himself through his word and even says, Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. His revelation to you is good. And yet from every incredible poll: the number of christians who read their bible is abysmal it's like finding the love of your life and refusing to read any of their love letters it's like getting that shiny new tv and you've got to work five different button sequences that are unmarked on your remote and you've got to figure out how to do it and you refuse to read the instruction manual all right, some of you guys could care less about love letters, but you got to have the TV better work right. <laughs> I know. I know. God has chosen to reveal that to us. What is it that keeps us from hungering to know more? To study more. To know what God really has to say. Remember the same time that I was in Arizona, Deidre was traipsing along in France on her own mission trip that year. We were dating. And I, she would send me letters and I would send her letters. And I mean, I couldn't wait to get them. We would talk on the phone, I don't know, about once a week or so. Which this was a time before cell phones it was a really expensive, amazing thing. Uh, when it t- came time to pay the bill, the phone company had no record of any of our international calls. It was amazing, didn't pay a dime for any of those calls for an entire summer i was expecting like a six seven hundred dollar bill nothing couldn't wait to get those calls i couldn't wait to get those letters yet i can wait to get into god's word why is that about us not only does god reveal himself we need to understand that god does have certain expectations for us i have certain expectations for my children you have a certain expectations about for the people around you and especially for those that you have any authority in their lives. God has expectations for you and I, and one of those expectations and not, not a just a desire, there's a difference between a desire and an expectation. But God truly expects us to grow in our maturity and understanding of him. If you're going to follow him and you have been following him for 20 years and you have not developed any deeper understanding of God or the way he works in the world or wants to work in your life, then there's a problem with that. Now, if that's you, you can rest assured that you're not the first person that has lived a long life not growing in relationship with God. It's been happening ever since the creation of the world. We read in Hebrews verse 5, it's it's literally talking about this very thing. About this we have much to say, but it's hard to explain that you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. See, we can look at that as something that, oh, add that to the list of stuff I'm supposed to be doing. Add that to the list, of ways I'm failing. We can look at it like that. Or we can say, I have an opportunity to know him very different. I have an opportunity to know him. You know, it just continues to confirm for me the supernatural forces at work in our world when the Bible is constantly being trashed and constantly being invalidated by professionals. And yet we have so much access the truth and information and knowledge out there today. A friend of mine posted this on Facebook yesterday. And, and I don't know, he was quoting from somebody. I don't know where it came from. He says, we are swimming in an ocean of information and drowning in ignorance. Is there a person in here who could not see that that, the truth in that at its face value? We can search anything from our phones or our tablets or, or your watch for some of you. And yet we're drowning in ignorance. What if we could be more? When I was a kid, we had an event come up, and it was one of those things that just piqued the curiosity of everybody at that time. And, I mean, we were all curious. For weeks we were curious, and... I remember it was one of the first times I saw Geraldo Rivera in in an environment other than a talk show trying to get midgets to fight or something like that, you know? That was really high-class television back then. (laughs) And do you know what I'm talking about? What happened? The opening of what? Al Al Capone's Vault. Now, I'm going to tell you, now today, you could care less about that, but back then... I mean, for weeks it was like, "When's it happening? When's it happening? When are they going to open Al Capone's vault?" It was the greatest suspense that we'd ever heard, and this is let me let me play one of the promo commercials um, for it here. I mean, this was big stuff. This was Al Capone's vault. And he's really excited, isn't he? We're going to find money? Are we going to find bodies? Are we going to find whatever? And then uh, the event came. This is what happened. The idea yeah, was to open the vault on live international television. I'm a little girl, and we're about to live a live television event. A massive concrete vault that's been discovered. Some day it belongs to none of the notorious Al Capone. Well, tonight, what does it Thank yeah. Highest-rated syndicated special in the history of television. And it was empty. And it was empty. It was like a three-hour show. We sat there and waited. Why don't they open the stupid vault? Well, that's why. Because if they had started with that, (laughs) it would have been a short show. (laughs) Now, that's incredible how many people couldn't wait, me included, glued to my television for the whole multi-hour. I don't know how many. It felt like it was like six hours long. It was probably two or three-hour special glued to see what was in possibly Al Capone's vault we are so curious about things we want to find out secrets in those hidden things and yet so much of it God has already put in our hands secrets that far outweigh anything Al Capone ever would have done I mean, you literally get to see how the heavens work. You literally get to see how God works. You literally get to see what God's going to do from now until the end of time. It's amazing what the Bible shows us. It's amazing what the Bible can do for us. When I was, when I was in a youth group, and a ch- I guess we were probably in children's group, not youth group when I was a kid, we... We did a lot of Bible stuff. We did the Bible sword drill. Who could find a verse fastest? We had to memorize Bible verses. And I'm convinced that many of us have lost a love for Scripture because of those kinds of activities because we took the exploration of who God is and we put it into a task that was as boring and terrible as any school assignment. I don't want to have to memorize it. I mean, I'm glad I'm not in school. I shared a blog post last week of my recurring nightmare of being in college, and still to this day I'll have the dream that it's the end of the semester and I forgot to go to class. I mean, I know none of you did that, but it's possible I might have done that before, and it haunts me to this day. It's amazing what is out there for us to know if we'll go for it. But when we look at the Bible as simply a rule book, when we look at the Bible as simply something we're supposed to read, we miss the true value of God's special revelation to us. You know, one of the reasons that God has given us this revelation is not so we can be held accountable for what we did with it. But it's because He loved us and He wanted us to know these things. See, when you get into Scripture and you get into it because you want to know what it says, not because you're supposed to read it. I want to know what it says. I want to do it in my life. It begins to take on a whole different form. It begins to become alive to you. If you're at a place where you question whether God is real, I will tell you right now, you are not spending time in his word. If you're not sure if God loves you or if God is even interested in your life, I can tell you right now you're not spending any time in God's Word. Because when you spend time in God's word, it becomes so real and alive that you cannot ignore it. There was a time early on as a believer that I would do my quiet time at night and I, I would do I had two books I would read. I, one of them was a, an utmost, my utmost for his highest devotional book and then I had my Bible and I would read at least a chapter a night plus I would read whatever that daily devotional was by Oswald Chambers it was it was what I did every single night and I began to switch to the morning for the very simple reason that when I would read that scripture at night I'd be like man I could have used that today I I could have handled that differently today had I had read this I can't tell you how many times, that whenever I'm thinking, God, I just don't know. I mean, are you, are you doing anything in this situation? I mean, I see this is a, a serious thing. Are you doing anything here? I can't tell you how many times in a moment Scripture comes to mind and He answers my question through His Word. See, so we don't read the Bible because we're supposed to. If you're reading the Bible because you're supposed to, that is a, that, that's just sad. But when we begin to get into his word and we begin to realize God is revealing himself to us in this way, we begin to look past the verses. We begin to look past the words. We begin to look past trying to figure out what kind of verb is this or what is the syntax or grammar or what was, the, what was going on here or how much content do we have or how does this match other verses around scripture. You move beyond all those literary tools and you begin to see a living God. Because that was the purpose of God revealing himself. Not to hold us accountable. He revealed himself so we could know him. So whenever you begin to fully embrace God's word, that this is something God is truly wanting to share and show you, what you're going to begin to do is those words are going to disappear off the page and your imagination is going to be ignited as you begin to have incredibly intimate conversation with God and you begin to hear from him in so many different ways. That's the value of God's revealed word to us. That's the value of God saying, I want you to know who who I am. John Piper writes about the value of knowing scripture. And so I want to read you some, some sentences and I want to read you some scriptures that he points out. And this is completely John Piper. It's not me. I wish it were me. It's not. He says, whenever we read scripture, it changes the way we think. It changes the way we live. It changes the way we see ourselves in the world. If he commands us, excuse me, commends us, we respond to him with humble gratitude and joy. Psalm 18 says, he brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He rewarded me. If he commends us, we respond to him with humble gratitude and joy. If he commands us to do something, we look to him for strength and resolve to obey with his help. The Great Commission, Matthew 28 says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If he makes a promise, we marvel at his grace and trust him to do what he says. Hebrews 13 says, keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. Help, hepper. He's my hepper. What can I say? He's my helper. I'm glad I didn't say heifer, although it sure could have sounded like that. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? If he makes a promise, we marvel that he keeps it with the grace that he has in that. If he warns us of some danger, we take him seriously and watch with a thankful sense of his presence and protection. Luke 21. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. We don't just read that and go, wow, that's incredible prose. We read it and say, I need to watch myself. Because this is real. This is true. If he describes something about himself, his son or his Holy Spirit, we affirm it and admire it and pray for clear eyes to see and enjoy his greatness and beauty. I love that. If he's described something about himself, we want to know because he loves us and we love him. See, as followers of Jesus in this world, we've got to get beyond all this surface level stuff that is plaguing the church. We've got to get below all this stuff that's going on around the world and in our society and culture. We've got to get down through all the activities that we do and all the things we're supposed to do to be a good Christian. We throw those things out and say, I'm not trying to be a good Christian. The very gospel itself says, I can't be a good Christian. But I can know God. See if we want to get down below the surface, we have to perceive that the world is supernatural. We have to know that God is work. And when he says there was a war in heaven, we believe it. And when he says, I'm coming back, don't put all your hope in this world. I'm coming back. We believe it. If we can believe with ten sources that Julius Caesar walked the, the planet, we can believe that Jesus is coming back and taking us to heaven. We can believe those things if we get down below the surface. Think like what we're seeing in the news and in our politicians. All this talk about evangelicals is just stay. They want everybody to stay at the surface. There's no deeper discussion on what does it really look like to know Jesus. Just wear it like a lapel pin, so vote for me. But the truth is that many of us have lived that life. I've lived that life. I've called myself a Christian and lived that life too. I've gone through the motions. I've done the things I thought I was supposed to do. I've even had people tell me how good a Christian I was, yet I knew in my heart I was only going through the motions. The thing is, it's not our place to To be able to dictate who is and who isn't going through the motions. But each one of us truly knows in our hearts if we are. That's what matters. We read the Bible not to be approved for our reading. We read the Bible to know Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you're going through something right now, I'm telling you, Jesus can help. He can help. I would encourage you to read through His Word, read through how He has revealed Himself to us. Now I'll, I'll talk a little bit next week about the kind of revelation that comes for your specific instance that isn't necessarily in, found in the Bible. There are times that God speaks to us additionally. There's not many, but we will talk a little bit about that next week. But I want to encourage you that you can make this real. This is real. You can change the way that you live. You can recognize that God really does care. And whenever God says, stay away from this, even though everything in us wants to go right to it, if God says, stay away from that, there's a reason. There's a reason. I want to leave you with a question. What if we really believed... The God of creation was revealing himself to us. What if? I don't mean that we just say it because we're supposed to say it. What if we really believe the God of creation was revealing himself to us? How would we be different? How would we be different? That's something that I hope each one of us will wrestle with. Something I wrestle with. Because we want to get beyond all of the gains, all of the tools, all of the sideshows and distractions. And we want to know who God is and the way he revealed because we want to know Jesus. That is ultimately God revealing himself to us. If you're here this morning, and some of, some of us are here this morning, have been believers for years, and, and you're just, yeah, I I'm 100% behind all this, believe it all, that's great. But maybe you're here and you know, I've been going through the motions. I'm just playing around here. I've never really stopped to consider whether this is really true. If God really can heal relationships. If God really can offer forgiveness. If God really is going to come back like a thief in the night, it could be before we get out of this room. If that is true if we need to prepare, be prepared to give an accounting of our faith in a moment's notice, if that is true. If our friends and our loved ones who we won't tell them about Christ because we're afraid of what they'll think of us, that day is coming when they will be held accountable. What if that is true? What if you are as valuable as what God says about you? What if God really did give His Son for us because He loves you? I find that one of the most resistant people to ever accept God's love are those that feel that they've never truly been loved in this world. It can be a very difficult thing to experience that love. One of the ways that we often see that is when Someone's had a very difficult relationship with their dad, and Scripture talks over and over about him being our spiritual father, and that can, can really mess you up in trying to understand that love. But what if God does really love you? What if he really does care about all the anxieties you're going through? What if when we read through James and he says, you know what? I want you to count your trials as joys because I'm teaching you to deepen your faith. What if that is true? Do we look at our trials differently? If this is really true, how does it change who we are and the way we live? Would you pray with me? Father, pray for those in this room and they've been struggling with the truth and the reality of who you are for a long time. I've heard the gospel time and time again and it's just a struggle to believe it's true because they're bombarded every day with so many images and distractions that's saying that, that you're not true. I pray that you would help them to have a glimpse of what you have revealed. Let them glimpse you in your creation. Let them glimpse who you are through your word. I pray that they would experience your supernatural truth in their own lives. Father, I pray for those in the room and... There was a time when reading scripture was, it was a joy. It couldn't wait to get in to find more. And now it just sits on the shelf. Pray that you would renew their joy. Pray for those that are struggling to believe that you really care. You are really at work. That you would allow them to see you at work through your word. Give them the courage. Give them the certainty that they need to go to scripture and know you more. God, I thank you that you've revealed yourself to us. I thank you for the ways that you've loved us. Help us to follow you, because we have been changed through you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.